Coming up on today's episode of the Locked On Bucks podcast, we preview this weekend's game between the Bucks and the Jaguars. At the end of a hard week, it's great to sit down, take some time off, and watch some football. Game-winning touchdowns on two-minute drives, running backs racing down the sidelines with no one to stop them, there's nothing else like the NFL, and there's no better way to make the games even more exciting than to bet on them. So do the smart thing and go to mybookie.ag. No one gives you more ways to win than they do. MyBookie's got the fastest payouts and better lines than any other sports book. Don't forget, where you're betting is just as important as who you're betting on, and MyBookie.ag is the best in the business. If you're the kind of guy that likes to bet a little and win a lot, try a parlay. If all your picks come through, you'll multiply your winnings. And no matter how you bet, the NFL season is the best time of year. Join now and MyBookie will double your first deposit. Use promo code Locked On to activate this offer. That's promo code Locked On. L O C K E D O N. Visit mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. You are Locked On Buccaneers, your daily Tampa Bay Buccaneers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. What's up and welcome back to the Locked On Bucks podcast brought to you in part by DoorDash. Treat yourself to the meal you deserve and have your favorite restaurant come to you with DoorDash. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter promo code Locked On. Listening on the go? If you can't visit DoorDash right now, you can find this and all other offers from Locked On sponsors at LockedOnPodcast.com slash offers. I'm James Yarko, joined as always by David Harrison. You can find everything that we're doing over at BucksNation.com and make sure you follow along on Twitter at LockedOnBucks, at JayYarko underscore Bucks, at DH82 underscore Bucks, and at Bucks underscore Nation. Of course, on yesterday's episode, David and I basically figured out the one way that the Buccaneers can make the playoffs. So there is that. If you haven't heard that episode, go ahead, go back, check it out, find out who you need to root for, or more importantly, who you need to root against for the rest of the season uh, for, for the Buccaneers to have a chance to make it into the postseason. So after we recorded that episode, James, I, I, it hit me, it kind of dawned on me after we were recording that I personally have been through this before. And it took me some research, but I, I put it all back together because I couldn't remember all the players in, in this whole scenario. But in the 2007-2008 college football season, the undefeated number one in the nation, Ohio State Buckeyes, came into week 11 as a heavy favorite to go back to the national championship and try to get legendary head coach Jim Trestle his second BCS title after handedly defeating the Miami Hurricanes just a few years previously. And in week 11, James, they lost to who? The University of Illinois fighting Illini led by Juice Williams and Rashard Mendenhall. In week 12, LSU rose to number one. Ohio State dropped all the way to number seven. And back then, the Big Ten wasn't in its current formation, which meant week 12 against the team up north was the last time Ohio State was going to take the field before they found out which bowl game they went to. If they won, it was most likely going to be the Rose Bowl. They beat that team up north because that's Michigan. For those of you that don't understand how (laughs) awful Ohio State fans are and how they don't use the letter M all of Thanksgiving week. Stop it. I use the letter M. I just don't tweet the letter M. Anyway, so they beat that team up north. 
here's how this whole thing went down. That weekend, number two Oregon loses to Arizona, and number three Oklahoma loses to Texas Tech. So then the Buckeyes enter week 13, where they're not playing, ranked number five. They rose from seven to five because of those, those, that string of events. Then number three, Missouri defeated number two, Kansas. Number 11 beats the then ranked number seven, Arizona State Sun Devils. Why does that matter? Even though Arizona State and USC are both ranked behind number five, number five, Ohio State, because as we know, James, in college football, if number seven, Arizona State beats number 11, there's a good chance they jump Ohio State. Yeah, probably. So they don't, however, number 11 beats number seven, and they don't rise enough to jump number five, Ohio State. Instead, Ohio State rises to number three, entering the final regular season week, which is oftentimes championship week. And in championship week, the number one Missouri Tigers fall to the number nine Oklahoma Sooners, and the number two West Virginia Mountaineers fall to the unranked Pittsburgh Panthers. Ohio State, despite having only played once in the final three three weeks of the year, once since losing to the Illinois Fighting Illini, rise from number seven to number one to go to the BCS National Championship game against the LSU Tigers and get their asses whooped all over the Sugar Bowl. Jamarcus Russell. It was still y'all. And it was as improbable as the Buccaneers making the playoffs this year. And, James, I actually just thought of this. Do you remember when the Boston Red Sox won four games in a row to defeat the New York Yankees after falling behind three games to none? I do remember that. It was the uh, first and only time that a Major League Baseball team came back from a 3-0 deficit in the postseason. So those are two scenarios in pro sports, grant or in pro sport, in sports, in major sports anyway, where the pretty much impossible happened. Now, well, many, I many mean, more times the pretty much impossible also doesn't happen. So there are even, more examples of that. But even more recently, the St. Louis Blues were in dead last in January. I believe it was January 4th. And they storm back and become Stanley Cup champions. There you have it. A little, a little more positivity sprinkled on your playoff scenario episode. Just remember, the moral of David's story is a Don't miracle. Believing. A miracle that ended in heartbreak. <laughs> it did end in heartbreak. It was so sad. But I remember talking to my dad. I was like, ah, at least they made it. <laughs> Oh, goodness. Yeah, I vividly remember that that Illinois-Ohio State game. That game was, I was working at a restaurant at the time, and everybody in the kitchen but me, of course, were Ohio State fans. My granddad, the reason I am an Illinois fan, mm-hmm. uh, you know, he was, he was a student athlete at the University of Illinois. He had just passed mm-hmm. away. Mm-hmm. So I remember, uh, I remember telling one guy in the kitchen, you know, my my granddad's up up in heaven right now, making sure that these line I are going to get a win tonight. And he looked at me and he said, my granddad's up there telling your granddad to shut up. Mind you, this is like a week after my granddad died. So he was oh, so pretty well, yeah, fresh. Yeah, yeah. And so after that game, I went up to him and I said, you want to know what my granddad just said to yours? <laughs> bleepity bleepity bleep bleep bleep. Yeah, that guy didn't talk to me for a while. 
Well, then I'm happy Illinois won that game. I So out of that entire season, I only remember that game and the loss to LSU. So literally the only two games from that year I remember are the two losses. But yeah, but now that you put that spin on it, I'm I'm glad that Juice Williams and Richard Mendenhall did what they did. Yeah, I was I, I was pretty heated after he said that to me. But you know what? I got the last laugh. So yeah. shout out. I, shout out, granddad. But the key, the, the moral of the story is actually that the Buccaneers are about to win out because that's the only way this miracle is going to happen anyway. Jamel Dean is going to hold DeAndre Hopkins to a career low in receptions and receiving yards. Literally hold because that's the only way that's happening. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Way to to crush the spirits of everyone. But before we talk about the Texans game, there's a few games in between now and then, starting with the Jacksonville Jaguars. David, let's dive into this a little bit. And, um, yeah, I talked about it a little bit on on yesterday's episode, but since we started this one off with a continuation of yesterday's episode, do you have any any notes or anything that you really want to get into, or do you just want to start diving into our predictions? Um, I don't really have a whole lot of notes or anything, but we do have a voicemail we should probably get to. Oh, that's right. You did tell me that we do have a voicemail, so let's get to it. David, James, what is up? So I want to respond to a comment made about winning out for the Buccaneers to win out the rest of the season. I just want to say I think it's very much possible, and we need it. I don't want to lose games so we can get better draft position. It is more important that our guys start to get these concepts start to think on the field, and play well. That's going to go a whole lot further than constantly bringing in new people and trying to train them to get them up to speed. This is that group. We need them to to pick these concepts up, to play on the field, to have confidence, and to play good Bucks football. And then we'll see what happens in the draft later, okay? And one more thing. Happy Thanksgiving to you guys. I want to thank you for continually putting out great shows and really making my day better and educating me on, on some things that I may have missed watching Bucks games. So you guys are doing an excellent job. I really appreciate it. Keep it going. Go Bucks. Oh, well, thank you very much. Appreciate that. And yeah, this is something that we kind of touched on in yesterday's episode. Really, I mean, David, honestly, the only game that I look at on this schedule that I don't think the Bucks have as good of a chance of winning as their opponent is that Houston game. The Bucks can win every single game left on the record or the they, schedule. They can, Even but are, are we in agreement that Houston will be by far the most difficult? If the Buccaneers team that showed up in Atlanta shows up for the rest of the season, they can and will go toe-to-toe with anybody. I do want to say before we get into Jaguar stuff, that's really cool. So I didn't listen to that voicemail before. I usually listen to the voicemails before. I did not listen to that one. And and we got that voicemail from Greco before we recorded our uh, Thanksgiving episode. So it's kind of cool to me that, you know, we, we did that episode about playoff chances. Because I'm not going to lie. I mean, as we were going through it, and even beforehand, I kind of was like, you know, how many Bucks fans really want to sit here and listen to this? So we appreciate that you guys, you know, uh, specifically you agree, obviously, for the phone call, but you guys appreciate what we do. Yeah, it, it means just as much to us. I, you know, I'm going to speak for James. I think I can in this sense that it means just as much to us when you guys say that kind of stuff and, and tweet that kind of stuff and, you know, uh, leave those five star iTunes reviews. Um, <laughs> all that stuff means just as much to us, you know, as 
as you guys say that it does to you, trust me, like again, that, that pewter cast award, as much as I, you know, I, I, I personally look at, you know, like the pewter nation podcast and the pewter cast by itself as, you know, uh, I wouldn't say superior, I guess, but like there are two podcasts that I look at as, you know, kind of a, a standard bearer, I guess in this area. And so for the fact that you guys selected us above those means a lot to me. I know it meant a lot to James. The trophy sits on my desk as we do these shows. So yeah, I uh, appreciate it. Hope your, th- your Thanksgiving was good as well. Yeah, just appreciate it. Speaking of the pewter cast, I, I will say this real quick. Shout out to Brent. Really appreciate it. He messaged me and asked me for my address. I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, sure. You can have my address. No problem. Uh, no idea why, but here you go. Figure I don't know. Maybe he's putting me on his Christmas card list. I don't mail out Christmas cards or I wouldn't ask for a lot of people's addresses. Um, I will wish you a Merry Christmas on Twitter or on Facebook. I don't mail out cards. Um, And I get a package the other day, uh, one of those big bubble envelopes. And the return address is the pewter cast. I'm like, oh, what in the world is Brent sending me? And I open it up and it is buccaneer slash star wars sticker decals and i could not have been more excited you would have thought that he sent me a hundred dollars i was like this is the coolest thing ever so brent very much appreciated buddy that was a wonderful wonderful surprise and as i as i told you when i messaged you uh you you absolutely made my day when when that came in so thank you very much i appreciate it yeah, and because you messaged me asking me why Brent was asked for your address and if he had asked for mine, I was like, I have no idea. And I'm a nosy person, so I messaged him and asked him <laughs> why he asked you for your address. And he told me, and I was like, oh, man, that's really cool. And, of course, I didn't say anything to you because I didn't want to ruin the surprise. But, no, that, that is really cool. And, you know, those are two good guys. And that's why, like, uh, when I was in town for the Cardinals game, you know, uh, Brent messaged me. I was I was sitting there, you know, uh, kind of hanging out with with Taylor and Matt and Trevor from the Pew Report just, you know, kind of getting ready for the game or whatever. And he messaged me and said, hey, you know, I'm, I'm going to be in the stadium in a little bit if you have time to to come down and visit. And, yeah, you know, I definitely made time to to come down and uh, hang out with him and Ren for as much as we, we watched Matt Gay, you know, warm up a little bit. So it was really cool. So, you know, uh, good dudes. Obviously good to see them whenever we can. And, yeah, so good stuff. So All right. Well, David, let's go ahead and dive into it with our predictive players of the game. Oh, there's a uh, game. There is a game. Uh, this episode might end up being an hour and a half, which, again, if you're out Black Friday shopping, uh, you're welcome. David, who is your predictive <laughs> offensive player of the game? Ronald Jones is my offensive player of the game. The The Jaguars defense is not what it used to be. And I feel like if Ronald Jones can take advantage of some of the lanes, some of the spaces that he's going to get against the Jaguars defense, then it's going to do two things. One, it's going to make those middle of the field linebackers really pay attention to him, which keeps them from getting into their zones or getting out in their their spaces uh, as fast as they would like to. And two, it's going to help negate some of that pass rush. We talk about uh, running backs helping against the pass rush by blocking. Well, if the Jacksonville Jaguars start trying to bring pressure on James Winston and that pressure is turning into some of those screens or some of those big runs uh, for Ronald Jones, then that's going to negate some of that pass rush. It's going to make that defense adjust a little bit and either continue giving up those big plays or take chances to bring extra pressure essentially on the back end, which is going to open up things for Chris Godwin and Mike Evans downfield. But either way, I feel like Ronald Jones and his, especially his early production, is going to have a big fact is going to be a big factor in how the Jacksonville Jaguars attack Jameis Winston defensively 
And so if he does well, it just make it just bodes what better for the offense as a whole. All right. I am going to go with give me more Chris Godwin. More Chris Godwin all day long. I forget, David. Who was it that made their bold prediction last week that Chris Godwin was getting two touchdowns against the Falcons? Um, I think it was the the me. guest host I had because you were sleeping or something. No, we had no guest host. It was me. Gotcha. But I do okay. think Chris Godwin comes away as the leading receiver once again. And I'm thinking he goes for a buck 50 in a touchdown. Very I think nice. e- I think Evans has a better game than he did against Atlanta. And mm-hmm. Doug, Doug Marone has already talked about it. How dangerous it is facing a team that basically has two number one receivers. And yeah, there he, he even said they're different receivers, but not different production. The Jags don't have crybaby fake tough guy Jalen Ramsey anymore. <laughs> you know, homie, homie back Jalen. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what a punk. Those FSU guys. I tell you what. Oh, it's not just FSU guys. Oh, you're right. It's also Ohio State. Oh. (laughs) Anyway, David, who's your predicted defensive player of the game? Um, My defensive player of the game is going to be Andrew Adams. Andrew Adams uh, appears apparently to have become the free safety. I don't know. Like, I thought it was Mike Edwards, but apparently now it's Andrew Adams. I mean, basically, I'm going to say whoever the free safety is. I guess it's still possible that, you know, Mike Edwards gets more snaps back there. Uh, this weekend, but if it's the trend that we've seen the last two weeks, it's Andrew Adams. And with guys like DJ Chark and DD Westbrook, I understand that both of them have had, or uh, DD has had a very letdown season, but both of them can stretch the field. Both of them can burn a defense in one snap. And Nick Foles is definitely going to be looking for them because of what guys like Tyler Lockett and Christian Kirk have, have been able to do against this secondary. He's going to be, I think he's going to be a very key player in this defense because of one, keeping the top on the defense, but then also two, not allowing some of those short passes to turn into huge gains. So that's that's who I'm looking at on the defense to really make an impact in this one. Well, I hope your predictive player of the game doesn't try to decapitate mine for a second straight week. Give me that Devin White love. Two that's sacks nice. last week. Two baller. Yeah, buddy. He's starting to get more involved in the pass rush. He's mm-hmm. starting to become more comfortable in coverage. He's not great. Don't get me wrong. He's not great, but he is starting to get more comfortable and his pursuit to the ball carrier is incredible. The tandem of him and Levante David is next level and he's only going to get better. I expect another big game out of white, especially with how heavily the Jaguars try to rely on Leonard Fournette, whether Mm -hmm. it's in the run or the passing game. The Bucs are going to shut that down with a quickness. Leonard Fournette, he has, what, 100 and 120 yards in the last two weeks rushing. And last week he had, it was one of the last two weeks, it was either against the Colts or the Titans. He had 27 rushing yards. 27. Uh, November 17th against the Indianapolis Colts, the Jacksonville Jaguars ran for 29 yards on nine carries. Yikes. Total. That's a team total, not a player total. That's a team total. All right. Well, David, what is your bold prediction? I'm glad you picked Devin White as your defense player of the game because my bold prediction is that Devin White will have better stats in every single statistical category than Josh Allen. I'm telling like if Josh Allen has eight tackles, Devin's getting nine or more. If Josh Allen gets a sack, Devin's getting two. Um, if 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 Josh forces a fumble, Devin's forcing, you know, no, it goes two. That's my that's my prediction. So that's why it's bold, right? 
Devin White will outplay Josh Allen in this game, at least singularly, statistical, statistically, and that's my bold prediction. All right, my bold prediction, and this is bold. It does not get more bold than this, David Harrison. Offensive line will give up zero sacks for the second straight week. That that is that is bold. Not forget or that's even a thing that could happen, but that's definitely hey, bold. All right. It is time for final score predictions. David, are you going to give us some sort of like algorithm explanation for your score this week? For the second straight week, yes, I'm going with math uh, to, to give me my answer. And oh, here's no. the math that I went with. And I will tell you that this math makes a little bit more sense than last week's math. But if you remember, my last week's math, as much as it didn't actually really make any sense, was it actually pretty, pretty stinking close. <laughs> and the Bucks won. So I'm going to keep that mojo going. So here's 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 where here's how I went with this. Okay, the Buccaneers and Jaguars both four and seven. The difference is the Buccaneers are coming off of a win. Jacksonville Jaguars are coming off of a loss, and Nick Foles looks like Nick Foles when he doesn't play under Andy Reid. Coming off of losses this season, the Jacksonville Jaguars are scoring an average of twenty six points in the following week. Coming off of a of a win, the Buccaneers are surrendering an average of thirty three points per game after the week after winning. On the flip side of that, the Jaguars are allowing an average of 21 points per game when they lost the week prior, and the Buccaneers are scoring an average of 21 or 24 points per game coming off of a win. So doing that math, I'm averaging out how much the Buccaneers are scoring coming off of a win with how much the, Jag- the Jaguars are allowing coming off of a loss, which gives me 23. And then I averaged how much the Buccaneers are giving up following a win and how much the Jaguars are scoring coming off of a loss, which came out to 22, which means the Tampa Bay Buccaneers win 23 to 22. Book it. That that was a lot. But that math makes more sense than last week's math did. So we'll see if it works. If not, I'll just continue doing ridiculous math. I'm taking the Bucs 34-17. The Jaguars have not been good. Uh, since the return of Nick Foles. Uh, If they rely too heavily on Leonard Fournette, there's no team better equipped to shut that down than the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And I think they're going to be riding high off the win. I think they're actually finally going to, uh, to string the two wins together. And I think they handle Jacksonville pretty handily. So give me the bucks. Yeah. I like it. 17. I have a second bull prediction. Okay. If the Buccaneers win this game, Gardner Minshew will play quarterback at some point during the game for the Jaguars. That would make sense. I don't know how bold that is, really. It's just more like predicting the writing on the wall, maybe. But that's my pick. That's my second bold prediction. All right. Well, there you have it. Um, And just like last week, for those of you that do not care about Star Wars, this is where we say our goodbyes. So please make sure you're checking out everything that David and I are doing over at BucksNation.com. Make sure you follow along on Twitter at LockedOnBucks, at JayArco underscore Bucks, at DH82 underscore Bucks, and at Bucks underscore Nation. Make sure you send us your post-game reaction voicemails to 813-444-5841.
those of you interested, we are going to have another edition of David Reviews Star Wars. Again, we got a lot of really positive feedback off the last one, which made me really excited. So shout we are going to ukulele to, Pete. Yes, shout out ukulele Pete. Uh, I love that guy. However, it would appear that he is he is on hiatus from uh, from Twitter at the moment. Uh, he was he was not he was not happy about something, and honestly, I can't remember what it was. I just remember seeing him say that he was going to uh, to step away from Twitter for a little while. Um, Nothing wrong with that. Sometimes that is true, but ukulele pete i know you're still listening i know i know you, you i know you wouldn't be so mad that you would stop listening to us so we are going to do david reviews star wars episode six return of the jedi where we pick <laughs> up with mitchell trubisky himself <laughs> luke the turd skywalker um david what do you think of this one it was better than the other two in my opinion, uh, still not making like my top five list of favorite movies. All it's probably not even top 10 to be honest with you, but it was better than the first two. I will tell you that while I will disagree with you, I respect your opinion. (laughs) You laid out your issues with empire strikes back last week. Uh Um, all right. So let's, let's kind of go through it a little bit. Um, Mm -hmm. Did your opinion of Luke Skywalker change at all? No, not inside. It actually got worse. Really? It got even yeah. worse? It definitely got worse. So, all right. So it starts in the beginning. So, first of all, right, like, I I already, you 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 guys already know what my opinion was of Luke. Like, I, you guys, if you if you listen to the previous episode, you guys all obviously know I've already watched episodes one and two so far, but we're going to talk about those later, and I will rewatch them so that they're fresh in my memory when we do. But previous to our, our when we did our last you know Star Wars thing, I had only watched episode four and five, so that was my fresh episode four and five take on Luke Skywalker. So when I came into episode six. That's how I felt is he's a turd. He's the Mitchell Trubisky of quote unquote heroes, whatever you want to call him. Like, honestly, I don't even call him a hero. I just call him a good guy. Like he's the good guy in the movie. He's not the hero in the movie. Han Solo is the, is the hero in the movie. And in this one, honestly, like Princess Leia is more of a hero than he is. Um, uh, what's his name? D Williams. Oh, Billy, Billy D. D Williams. Lando yeah. Calrissian. Yeah. Lando is more of a hero as far as I'm concerned in this movie than, than Luke is. So, Beginning of the movie, right? We see, uh, you know, it's is, is it Java like right in the beginning? It's right. That's right in the beginning, right? Yeah. I'm trying to recall like the very first scenes, but yeah. So Java's there, and he's got you know Solo, and he's you know the favorite decoration. The the droids are coming in, and then the, and R two comes up and plays the message, and there's Mitchell Trubisky, and the dude is standing there like he's Aaron Rodgers, and he's like, "You will do this. I am a Jedi Knight, and this is gonna happen." And then Java's like, yeah, all right, Mitchell, good luck with that screen pass, whatever. Um, and then when he shows up, it's the same thing. He's like, I am a Jedi Knight. Like, don't underestimate my powers. It's like, what? Like, you haven't done anything. What? Like, you have not done anything yet. Like, who are you to come up and talk to this dude? I understand that he's obviously fallen from grace 
and you know he's underneath you know in the underworld or whatever it's called i don't know but he's you know hiding with his little fraggle rock you know puppets and all that but i mean i'm just like who's this dude like at this point in time in in the series like who is this dude walking up in here like he's all kinds of of badass and, and, and like you're nothing at this point you have proven nothing at this point um and then he tries to do the jedi mind trick to Je- like jedis have been around jabba has been around if that was going to work on jabba the hut Luke Skywalker is not going to be the first Jedi to figure it out. You know what I'm saying? So the fact that he even tried it, I'm like, no, like you're, you're, you're stupid. Just, just go away. Um, yeah. And it, it, and it, it even took, like it took Leia, like Leia's the one who freed solo, not Luke. Like I know he was there, but well, that was all part of the plan. I got that. It was part of, but who made the plan? They didn't show you, you know why? Cause it wasn't Luke and this was <laughs> the eighties. So they couldn't show you. On I the big screen, Luke. that the woman made the plan. I, I think it was Luke. Well, no. I think it was a it was a collective of Luke, Leia, and Lando figuring out how to do this. Here's how this went down. Luke said, "Guys, I got an idea. Let's go free Han Solo." Han Solo, and then Lando said, "That's a good idea. We should create a diversion." And then Princess Leia said, "Yeah, here's our diversion. Hey, Mitchell, you go in there acting all all, all badass." And the real guys will come in behind you and actually save the day. And Luke said, cool. Can I use my laser sword? And they said, sure, bud, whatever you want. And he said, awesome. That's how that planning went. <laughs> Good grief. I'm sorry, man. Like he's just, he's not a hero. You know what I mean? And throughout, and, and even like he messes up like the dude, I'm trying to think there's a specific part in a fighting scene where, where like he, he messes up again and somebody's got to pull him out of the fire. Um, you know, I mean, even in like, even in the scenes. So when they're going, you know, cause obviously ultimately, you know, the, the plan gets thwarted and all that stuff. And that's where the metal bikini comes in and the, the pit monster, I can't remember what it's called, but like the worm the in the desert or whatever. Yeah. That guy comes oh, oh, in. Oh, the, the one in the desert. Yeah. That's the Sarlacc. Okay. But even in that scene, like. All right, like so you remember? So I have beef with Hawkeye, right? From the Marvel series, I know we're getting off track here a little bit, but I have beef with Hawkeye. Right. And you remember the conversation we had? I don't think we had it on the show, but the conversation we had about Hawkeye, where I'm like, this dude is so lame as a superhero that the creators, the directors of the show, literally to try to make him look cool, said, "All right, here's what you're gonna do, Jeremy Renner, who I really actually like as an actor. Like as an actor, I really dig that dude. But as Hawkeye, he's it's not even him that sucks. The, the character sucks." I said, okay, to make Hawkeye look cool, Jeremy, here's what we need you to do. Pull an arrow out of your whatever it's called. Spin it around your head three times for no reason and then shoot it because that will look cool. And I'm not going to lie. In the moment, it did kind of look cool. But then as the scene went on, I was like, wait a second. This dude just spin an arrow around his head three times for no reason. So I backed it up and I saw it and I was like, that he really did. They, they literally just said, okay, here's how we're going to make Hawkeye cool. Spin the arrow around your head three times. No reason. Doesn't charge it. Doesn't it like it's not like he's on a selector wheel and he stopped it on the the arrow that he you know what I mean? Like zero literally no reason for that to happen. And what they did with Luke in that scene is they said, Okay, Luke, not only are you gonna signal the attack on the enemy, but you're gonna do it by jumping off this badly painted diving board, grabbing a hold of it, and then coming right back up to the spot you were, but turned around the other direction. It was stupid. <laughs> it was absolutely stupid. And, and I understand like every movie has like moments 
where, you know, it's like, oh, that's not real. Of course it's not real. It's a movie. So got it. But like, that's one of those moments where I don't know, man, like I've never been a bad guy, but I'm, I'm, I, I've pulled security on people, places and things before. And I think back to my experiences and I'm like, you know, if I had a person that I was pulling security on and they suddenly out of nowhere jumped off of a ledge, grabbed a hold of said ledge, jumped back up onto said ledge. I would probably not stand there going, man, I wonder what's next. I would probably shoot you. Well, he did all die. that so that he had time for the lightsaber to, to get to him. That yeah, I mean, that's even better. So those guys are sitting there, and I understand they're the bad guys. So like, they're supposed to be the dumb character or whatever, but literally, again, I know it's fiction, but that right there is one of those moments where it's like, okay. You're going from fiction to we're just trying to fill space now. Like, we can't just have Luke turn around. Like, honestly, like, okay, hindsight 2020, right? Like, you could have R2, I don't know, like, knock into something. And he knocks into something or knocks into a person, a bad guy, knocks him off the ship or something. And as the bad guy's falling into the wormhole, everybody's like, oh, man, John just got knocked into the wormhole by that stupid droid. And while they're distracted, the droid shoots the, the, the lightsaber over to Luke. And as the lightsaber's in the air, Luke jumps up. And uses the force and does a backflip and, and grabs it and turns around and slices everybody in half. Okay. That's some Jedi stuff. But jumping off the diving board like you're Greg Luganis and then holding on to it, jumping back up on the ledge just to do all like it was stupid, man. Like it was just stupid. And then he doesn't even win the fight. If you remember that scene, he doesn't win the fight. You know who wins the fight, really? The blind dude who literally just got unfrozen. <laughs> <laughs> and accidentally knocks, and by the way, accidentally knocks the best bounty hunter in the entire world, like universe, galaxy, galaxy into the wormhole. How Boba Fett, like these writers were like, no, Boba Fett, you will not have a following or a fan base because you're going to be the stupid bounty hunter who had a gun and with your gun flew to within knife range of the blind guy and got accidentally poked in the stick in your in your in your pack and landed in the wormhole. Like how does that dude have the cult following? Honestly. I think a lot of his following number one started because he's the coolest looking character. He does like, look he does look awesome. Hands down. And, and you've now seen it from the Mandalorian show. Like that Mandalorian yes. armor is awesome. Don't get me wrong. And, I'm happy that that following exists because I don't know if the Mandalorian show happens without it, but tell me that's not stupid. Tell me that's not a stupid sequence of events to happen right there. It was incredibly disappointing for those of us that do love Boba Fett, but a lot of the Boba Fett lore came from the supplementary material that we've gotten since the books, the comics, mm -hmm. um, you know, those kind of, uh, of things. Unfortunately, all the stuff where Boba Fett was written about is no longer considered quote unquote canon. It's considered legends. So it's not part of the actual storyline. Um, well, there are some, some canon comics, I guess I should say, but no like books about him anymore that, that follow the true storyline. Uh, when Disney bought them, they kind of said, all right, all these books, you guys have gotten way too convoluted. You have cloned Luke. You have cloned the emperor who had a three-eyed son. You have a possessed hand of Vader 
somewhere around here like all of you you don't count anymore get out of here which i agree with the decision although there was some great stuff in the legends there was way too much crap um yeah that's too much for me to follow yeah but that yeah. sequence right there man like i just i'm like how are you gonna let boba fett go out that way like that's how you're gonna have boba fett go out again the greatest bounty hunter in the galaxy flies with his gun to within feet of a dude with a sword and a and a well i don't know like like a pole i don't even know what the, remember what, like a spear like first of all tactically doesn't make sense you don't ever if you've got a gun and he's got a knife you don't ever say oh you have a knife let me make it more even and i'll just come close to you so you can hit me or stab me no like that doesn't make any sense you use a standoff that's why bullets are valuable because you have standoff distance so boba fett first of all would never would never make that move but he does and then the blind dude of all the people like, if you want to make Luke a superhero, fine. Have Boba, Boba Fett. Like, maybe, okay, he's at a bad angle from his ship, so that's why he flies over, because he has a bad angle. So he needs a better angle. God, that's tactically sound to a certain extent. But he lands on the other end where Luke can't just high him with his green glow stick. And he starts <laughs> shooting at him, right? He starts shooting at him, right? And Luke's doing his, his Jedi thing and deflecting all the bullet stuff. And maybe the blind guy accidentally, because Boba Fett's focused on Luke, the blind guy accidentally knocks the gun into the wormhole. Okay. I can, I, okay. Like, eh, like not really, but okay. I, like I can buy that for a dollar. So now Boba has, doesn't have a choice. Now he's got like his arm flames and he's got his hand to hand. He's got his armor. So now it's game on. Now I basically got to get danger close with, with, with Mitchell Trubisky and Mitchell just happens to hit the hail Mary because sometimes that still happens. And I end up in the wormhole. Okay. I could be like, I got it. Writers are trying to make Luke look like a stud. I get it. But the way that it happened, man, come on. No. Shorten out the jetpack. And that's just like the first 30 minutes. You know what if I mean? But, yeah, but don't get me wrong. Like the movie is, is better than the others. Um, so what did you like about it? You obviously you don't like, we know you don't like Luke. And I find it hilarious that you call him Han, like all the way up until you break down Boba Fett's death and he becomes blind guy. <laughs> sorry <laughs> um all right so so let's let's move on a little bit what did you like what was what were some of your your favorite takeaways i like princess Leia and i like han uh i like van uh vando what's his name lando lando i like vando's a dog in the last kennels that i ran anyway sorry i like lando um Man, th- I, this sounds like I really don't like. I I enjoyed the movie. I mean, I I enjoy the movie. Like I enjoy the fact that like the storyline with Darth Vader kind of came to a head, and you know the Emperor is more involved and all this stuff. I didn't realize. Um, I, I was sitting there. So I told you. I hear. I th- I'm thinking I'm a genius because I'm like, man, I'm watching episode one and a little <laughs> bit of spoiler, I guess, for my thoughts on episode one. But I'm like, I'm like, you can't tell me that that dude is not the Emperor that we saw in the other movies. And I'm like, look how smart I am. And then I'm realizing that they uh, CGI'd the actual actor into the movie. So I'm not a smart guy because I actually Googled like the original looking guy from that movie. And I was like, oh, it's not. I'm well, stupid. So Ian, Ian McDermott yeah. played the emperor in Return of the Jedi. So like he, in the was, original? he was the original actor for oh, that's the cool. emperor in that movie. What you probably saw, Graham in in episode five, when Vader is kneeling in front of the emperor. Uh, and he's like, there's no doubt this boy is the son of Anakin Skywalker. 
and the emperor says you know if we can turn him to the dark side he would be a great asset all that they cgi'd ian mcdermott into that the original emperor in there was was different looking but ian mcdermott did actually play him in return of the jedi oh that's cool um so but they i will just say got that- him to come back for the prequels that's pretty cool like that's legit um but i will say that's something i did not appreciate um I don't know, man. Like, I've never, obviously, you know, I mean, I could have taken the time all I wanted to watch them in their original form or whatever, but, like, if I'm going to watch this movie, I want to see it the way that it was made. I don't want to see it with your new, like, uh, at the end of, is it the end of this one? Yeah, at the end of this episode, or this movie. um, Where they uh, superimpose Hayden Christensen as the first. because I remember messaging you. It was like, oh, look how cool it was that they knew what Hayden Christensen would look like all those years (laughs) later and knew that he would be the actor playing. Uh, Anakin like that's badass um obviously I was joking and then like seeing like the the Jar Jar Binks's people I don't know what their race is called anymore but Gundam. like yeah seeing them no, being like Gundam. oh Wisa free like you know what I mean like that didn't happen and I know it didn't happen I don't want you to put that in there to I don't know like make me feel better like I want to see the movie in its original form but um I it, like it, it, it is out there no, I'm it's sure way, it's just not on Disney. <clears throat> yeah, it's way more work for you, but there's a thing called Harmy's Despecialized Editions, and I do have those. Um, where I also felt bad for you because one of my least favorite special edition changes is in this movie, and I knew you had to sit through it, and I felt bad, and it's in Jabba's Palace. And you could tell, I know for a fact, you would be able to tell as you were watching yeah. it, because the CGI is so blatantly different than the surrounding part of, of the set and the characters, but it's when they play that song. Yeah. The singing aliens. Yeah. And they do a close up on the dude's molars. Like none of that was in the original. The original song was actually pretty catchy. Yeah. And that's what, like, I have no idea what it was. Cause yeah, the, the singing alien, the guy that yelled or whatever, like, yeah, they're all fake. And I'm just like, why like your your movies are legends for a reason let them stand for themselves you know what I mean? like you don't need to come back and do all this crap let them stand for themselves um i liked the conflict with darth vader at the end and i'm not gonna lie at first i didn't like when i first watched it i was i was kind of disappointed i was like come on this is stupid man like this like this dude is a legendary bad guy um to this day like if you think darth vader you don't think conflicted father you know what i mean you think bad dude and uh, until I watched these movies, I thought he was like the the top guy. Like I didn't realize that he worked for somebody else. So that kind of lowers his status in my eyes anyway. But um, at first when he had the conflict about, you know, uh, about the emperor killing Luke and all that, I was, I was very, I was, I was turned off by it. I was like, no man, like, come on, get out of here. Um, Cause he himself just a few minutes ago was trying to kill Luke himself but then I kind of went back and thought, I was like, no, because he knew, like, Luke wasn't going to just lay down his sword and not defend himself. He's going to defend himself. He's, he was saying, like, I'm not going to fight you. But I think, you know, Vader knew that he would defend himself. So even though he's swinging a lightsaber at him, it's, you know, I know I'm not going to actually kill you type of thing. Um, it's still pretty evil stuff to do to your own kid. But, you know, I think underneath it all, he knew that. And then when he's watching the Emperor you know, fry his son, you know, he kind of gets to that point where he's like, no, that's not happening anymore. Um, so after the fact, I appreciated it in the moment. I was like, that's weak. It's weak, bro. Um, but after the fact, I appreciated it. I think it's a good, 
I think it's a good way. I think it's a it's a worthy, like a valid way of ending it because to have it just go down is like, you know, like let's say obviously we already like pretty much knew that Luke wasn't gonna die because I mean, um I don't know like who's he gonna hook up with. Like he's not gonna hook up with the sister. And well, I mean, I guess I don't know. Oh, now that I think about it, I guess I don't know that. But I assumed that Luke wasn't gonna die at the end of this movie. So obviously, you know, all the scenes where it's like, oh, no, he might die. Like, no, he's not. He's not going to die. Like Jack Bauer's not going to get blown up by the nuke. He's going to live. Um, but it was like, OK, is Darth Vader going to die or like how is this all that's going to boil down? And to simply make it that, you know, Luke was like, oh, super Jedi powers and I beat you and I cut your head off and cried about it because you're my dad. Like, I don't know. That would have been too simplistic. Um, so while you could see the change coming, like you'd see that Darth Vader was going to turn on the Emperor at some point in time. Though still the way that they kind of drug it out, the way that they made it go down, the way that even though he ended up doing the quote-unquote right thing, like he waited. You know what I mean? Like it, it it took him a little while for for that fatherly instinct to kind of kick in and override the the the, the evil or the dark side and have him come to light. Um, so, so I appreciated it after the fact. What I didn't appreciate is the fact that James Earl Jones is not the man behind the mask, even though I already knew that. I did know enough about Star Wars that I knew the voice was not uh, would not match the face, but the face that came out was not good. Well, me. and here's here's something else: the face that you see was not the actor that played Darth Vader through all those movies. It was a completely different guy. Well, that's disappointing. And, too, then. and David Prowse, the guy that played Darth Vader, and he's become kind of a putz about it. But David Prowse um, has was basically banned from all Star Wars events because of his very public feud with George Lucas over the fact that he had played Darth Vader for all these years. And that was supposed to be his moment at the end of Return of the Jedi. And George Lucas had brought somebody else in and shot that scene when David Prowse wasn't on the set. And Prowse found out about it later. Um, why he did that, I don't know. I'm not mm-hmm. sure if that information is actually out there or not. I personally don't know. My theory would be because David Prowse, in an interview leading up to Empire Strikes Back, spoiled the fact that Darth Vader was Luke's father. <laughs> bastard. I think I think George always held a little bit of a grudge about that. Yeah, I would too. Because, yeah, the the only people that knew were George, uh, the director, Kirshner, Mark Hamill, James Earl Jones, and David Prowse. Mm. Um, here's another little fun, uh, fun little factoid. Do you know or have you ever heard what George Lucas's original idea for the end of Return of the Jedi was? No, I'm trying to make something up. I have no idea. He was going to have Luke kill Darth Vader and take his place and join the dark side. He was going to have Luke turn bad. Stupid. And the reason he decided to change it was he was afraid that it would destroy his toy sales. (laughs) That's hilarious. That's still a really stupid idea, though. Like. Well, and you see Luke flirt with the dark side, and it isn't until he cuts his dad's hand off that he kind of snaps out of it. Yeah, but I just still don't see like Luke's fighting Vader because like no, like this can't be who my father is, and da 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 and like 
So then he kills him. He's like, oh, maybe dad was right. Like, no, come on, man. Like, no, that wouldn't have been. I mean, unless like the dark side is just as like overwriting. I understand like it's addicting and it's, you know, once you go like the easy route, it's easy to stay on the easy route. I get all the moral fibers in it, but don't get me wrong. Like evil is not something that can, that just, you know, it's, it's not. And it, I, I don't know. It's it's hard. I guess I don't. I don't view it like it would be a little bit of a stretch to say like it's just something that takes you over because if it takes you over, well, I guess in that version, Vader never would have prevented. Yeah. Okay. Never mind. I guess it could work. I still would have well, liked it. I don't think. And and Yoda even says once you once you start down the path of the dark side, forever will it dominate your destiny. Yeah, but that's true. Then he then Luke went down like he attacked the emperor in the first place because he was angry because he was angry as people got set up. He was angry. They were ambushed. So he attacked him out of anger. So if that was true to the literal black and white term, then he wouldn't have been able to come back from it anyway, even after cutting off uh, Vader's hand. The the literal, uh, you know, to the word is it will dominate your destiny. That doesn't necessarily mean you have to succumb to it it just means that you will continue to have to fight off that urge the rest of Mm -hmm. your life once you flirt with that uh that side of the force okay that's a little bit that makes sense we'll see what happens in the future i don't know i'm looking forward i kind of want to know what happens like post episode six so like episode seven so like that in episode, I again, like I said in the last episode, I love episode seven and I love episode eight. I'm really excited once you get to those. Um, the prequels have their moments. Some of them are tough. Some of them are really, really fun. Um, I've got some thoughts already on one and two, but I'll save those for later episodes. Yeah, well, and you've already made it through my least favorite movie out of any Star Wars movie made. So for that, I'm which one's that? Attack of the Clones. It's episode, episode two, right? Two. Yeah. Yeah. We'll yeah. Talk. That, one's, that one's rough. That uh, one's rough. <laughs> All right. So uh, out of, out of, you know, we, we haven't done this yet. So we're going to have mm. you rate, rate these movies now, rate the original Ooh. trilogy, starting okay. with a new hope out of uh, five lightsabers. How many do you give episode four? Four. Four out of five. Yeah. I mean, even though Luke okay. is a, is a putz, like, <laughs> I like the storyline. Like it's, I don't, I mean, I don't, I'm not a, his, I'm not a movie buff, but like, I feel like it's unique enough. Like, I don't know the core, like I know Star Trek and Star Wars have this like rivalry, but I don't know the correlation. You know what I mean? Um, well, that rivalry is pretty much created by the fandoms of the two. Right. But I don't know, like, like yeah. did Star Trek come out before Star Wars? So like yes. the whole galaxy thing isn't really a new idea, but even if it's not a new idea itself, as far as like, the space galaxy and all that stuff. It's still, I know enough about star Trek to know that this is different. Like it's, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's different enough anyway. Um, I like the creativity behind it. Like coming up with a character, like you can like, I'm sure there's, ins- there's inspiration for everything, right? But I can't look at these characters and be like, Oh, all you did was take like a world war two, you know, Italian uniform and change colors on it and add a faceplate to it. Like they actually, like there were some creative thought processes behind these characters and stuff and who they were and where they came from. Um, the, the storylines are, are like the storyline was good. You know what I mean? Um, again, the idea itself, uh, later on, because I do know that originally Leia wasn't supposed to be Luke's sister. Correct. So that gets awkward. Later. <laughs> um, but 
I still like like I said like I have my preconceived notions like yo like well was Yoda was Yoda in the first one? No, Yoda okay, was so introduced. So I'm, in I'm blending. Five. I'm blending them. So never mind. I'll, I'll hold that. But yeah, like the storyline is still by itself is still a good storyline. I feel like so as an individual individual movie. I yeah, I, I think it's good. I, think I give it four out of five, which is like eight out of ten. You know what I mean? So four out of yeah. five is good. Yeah. All right. So Empire Strikes Back out of five sabers. Four. Yeah, I still give it four. Like okay. I know a lot of my comments make it sound like I don't like these movies as much as like, but I do. I am enjoying them. Like you know, I don't want to get it twisted or whatever. I am enjoying them. But I'm a like my wife hates watching military movies with me because I am I'm kind of a straightforward person and like I like seeing straightforward things so when movies or shows try to like dance around things like i said like the whole jumping off the cliff jumping back onto the like those things stand out to me and they annoy me but it doesn't necessarily take away from the entire you know what i mean like those are moments but it doesn't make me think like oh the whole movie's stupid so i don't know so that might be a little bit of a surprise again i knew that vader was luke's dad just because if you're alive you know that vader is luke's dad (laughs) um the turn I didn't like the beginning part again with the whole back and forth between Solo and Leia and like I thought that was too too much or whatever but it didn't completely like turn off the movie um, itself uh, so yeah so I, I still give it like four out of five all right and then Return of the Jedi actually I wish you would have done ten scale because I think ten scale I would give the first one an eight the second one is seven okay so you give Empire three and a half out of five sabers. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Okay. We'll do that. All right. And then return of the Jedi. Like four and a half, four and a half. Okay. Yeah. That's solid. I like that one. Um, so the really, the big thing I didn't like about it, honestly, was remixing the death star. Like oh. it's only your third movie. Come up with something different. Stop it. But they didn't. Well, it made me happy. Cause I messaged you about the death stars. Like really dude, death star again. But they didn't make the Death Star a central focus of the storyline. So I was fine with it. I was okay. Like, you know what I mean? It's not like Death Star strikes back. You know what I mean? So I was okay with it. I know that the Death Star de- does actually strike back. But like, <laughs> it wasn't like, hey, look, guys, Death Star again. Like, that was just kind of a cursory, like, it's a vehicle. So we needed a vehicle. Here's our vehicle. Um, I can't wait to have this conversation with you. But I have to wait. I have to wait. Okay. You know... So you know what part of this movie that I really don't like, honestly? The Ewoks? No, the Ewoks are fine. Is All him right. going back to Yoda after getting uh, Han free. Because well, he promised he would go back and finish his training. He did promise he went he would go back. Why the hell didn't he go back right after? Because here's here's the thing. Here's here's the here's the thing. There is a one. This year dude was now. not a Jedi Knight after episode five. He was not like he had gotten some skills and all this other stuff. Got it. But by and large, he was a failure so far. So again, again, right. This conflicts with me. He comes into episode six, this supposedly Billy badass. Don't underestimate my powers. And I'm a Jedi Knight and all this other crap. He hadn't gone back for his training yet. So where, like where, what was he doing? Okay. What, what was he doing all that time? He wasn't training. If he was training, he was training by himself, which is not what he promised. And I know why it happened. I looked it up because I'm I'm a curious person. And basically, the only reason Yoda was even in there was to tell children that no, Darth Vader wasn't lying. He actually is the father because Yoda said yes, he is your father. Got it. But if you're going to do that, you could have done it in the beginning. Like you could have started the movie showing him leaving from the, the 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 episode five, 
going to Yoda, saying, hey, I came back, look at me, keeping my promise. Is this dude really my dad? Yes, he is. Why didn't you tell me? Yada, yada, yada. Okay, we trained. Rocky Balboa, you know, uh, sequence. And now I'm going to go save Solo. If you wanted to do it that way, you could have done it before. But for him to go in there and save Han and be like, look, I have better powers than the last time you saw me. Now let me go back and train with Yoda. That doesn't make any sense. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. All right. But that's the only reason I didn't like that. Had it been in the beginning, I would have been like, cool, that makes sense now. And honestly, had it been in the beginning, when he shows up in the in the hologram, is like, I am a badass. I would have been like, okay, maybe you are this time. Now don't get me wrong, the first time he falls, it's like, eh, Leia, help me and save me. I'd be like, nope, same old Mitch, just a different color. <laughs> but, yeah. All right. And then is it is it safe to say that your overall favorite character of the original trilogy is Han Solo? Ooh. Hmm. Well, we know it's not Luke. Oh, it's definitely not Luke. Uh, my favorite character is huh, Darth Vader. Okay. All right. That's fair. He he. Darth Vader was always my favorite character until I introduced myself to the Thrawn books. And now my favorite Star Wars character has never actually been in a movie or any type of live action. He's been in a cartoon, but I've gotten all of my my Thrawn fix from books, and he's mm. glorious. I think you would actually like Thrawn. Never he's, heard very, of it. he's very tactical. Okay. And I was going to say, like, okay, so my favorite character is actually Boba Fett, but it's not from what I've seen. It's what from what I've heard and, like, watching the man. Like, the man, like, I don't know, like, Mandalorians are my favorite. Like, can I say that? Like, Mandalorians are my favorite character. Oh, absolutely. Like, so, so I guess you start watching the Clone Wars cartoon. Um, I actually thought about watching that at some point. Uh, where does it come into the story? I have no idea. I am actually going through the Clone Wars for the first time myself. But I think I it's know... between episode two and three. Oh, 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 you mean the timeline? I thought you meant when yeah. do Mandalorians come into the Clone Wars cartoon? Mm, yeah, no, the timeline. Uh, Clone Wars. Uh, it takes place between episodes two and three. Yes. I was and actually thinking about watching that, but how many episodes is that? Uh, it's like six seasons. It's Yikes. A so um, no rebels takes place between three and four. Uh, there is some Mandalorian stuff in rebels. And the, I guess the nice thing about clone wars, again, I've never gone through and watched them all, but they have, kind of story arcs that stand on their own so you could go in and watch the stuff about the mandalorians and not be lost because it's kind of a three to four episode self-sustained story where those episodes are i have no idea i cannot help you there um but one of the main characters on rebels is a uh is a mandalorian girl named sabine and she is super cool all right So, all right. Well, this has been a a Star Wars review with David Harrison. And, uh, yeah, looking forward to, I guess, next Friday, we'll talk about The Phantom Menace. That's the first one? Yeah, episode one. Talk a little Jar Jar. Yep. Talk a little Qui-Gon. A little pod racing. Mm, Yep. I had to think for a minute. A little Darth Maul. I'm not going to lie. I was was very upset when... Qui-Gon never said, I have a specific set of skills. (laughs) 
Oh, goodness. All right. Well, with that, thank you all who stuck around to to listen to this. Uh, I think we're going to do this, well, um, probably five more times, which coincides Sounds with like Buccaneers games. Uh-oh. Oh, snap. Hopefully you can experience your first Star Wars movie in the theater with episode nine coming up. Um, I don't think so because my children are completely lost interest. My wife does not care and I'm not going to the movie theater by myself. Have you ever been to a movie by yourself? It honestly might be one of the best experiences ever. I mean, it's not that I'm against going to the movie. So I just, you know, you know what my schedule is like. I have such little free time. I'm not going to take it going to a movie by myself. Try, try to see if you can get them to pick it up with the new ones. Get get through the prequels and then see if you can get them to to dive back in with the Disney with episode seven and episode eight. I will give it a shot because there's there's some intriguing stuff in there. Yeah, and I'll give it a shot Friday. Friday, I will see if I can get even one of them to sit down and watch episode yeah. one with me. No, not episode one. Watch episode seven. Have your children watch episode seven with you. Don't don't bother them with the prequels. Oh, not the prequel. Well, that, I can't do that for like another like two weeks, three weeks, four weeks. Rise of Skywalker will be in theaters until like May. You'll have to All right. If nothing else, I'll go see it with you when we're in Indianapolis covering the combine. If we're in Indianapolis together. If we're in Indianapolis. <laughs> and then once we're done working for the day, we can just find the local theater in downtown Indianapolis and we'll go see Rise of Skywalker. It'll probably be my 12th time. Sounds good. I will spend the entire day asking every player we talk to if they're Star Wars fans. If they are, I will invite them out to go with us. Oh, my God. Yes. Combine party at the movies. All right. (laughs) With that, hope you all have an outstanding weekend. Thank you so much for joining us here at David's Star Wars Review and Locked on Bucks. I'm putting on my shakes to cover up my eyes. I'm jumping in my ride.